Hello friends and welcome to another Kings of Anglia podcast. It feels like it's every day at the moment and indeed it is because games are coming thick and fast, news is happening, we want to keep you up to date with everything that's, that's going on. My name is Mark Heath, I am your host as ever and with me as ever, fresh back from his little road trip to London town at the weekend, is Hutch Hogan, Mr Andy Warren. Andy, how are you? Football is back, isn't it? it feels yeah, like it's, it, it, Yeah, it's back. Football, football has never been away, it feels like now. But it's good. It's in there. We've got fresh things to talk about. Lots going on. Uh, there's new seasons coming. Um, a lot of things that are missing as well, sadly. But it's uh, it feels good that it's all coming back. How good is it for you, my friend? Because obviously we've been um, working pretty much solely together with furlough and etc. since March, and, and no football, and we've been kind of spinning out things to write about. Um, and it's been it's been a struggle at times, we'll be honest. But now that now that you're actually going back and watching games, I imagine that must be absolutely tremendous for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's all about narrative, isn't it? Mm. We had some change change to the narrative, and um, no, it's great. Um, I hope people are enjoying having the games back. Um, I know loads, loads of people have have watched the the streams of the the Colchester games and the Tottenham games, and um, yeah, I hope people are enjoying having it having it all back. I know I know I certainly am. Um, I there there are times in this job where you can feel like you've got football overload, mm. um, but I've yeah, it's been really 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 good to have have Ipswich Town back I know football's been back since June but um that felt strange that football was back and Ipswich was still in this weird little ball of hibernation Mm. but um yeah it's good to it's good to have them back even though even though they cause a lot of stress don't they Ipswich Town with their with their with their poor seasons and drops down the table and it, it brings a lot of stress to life but every year the new season comes back and you get that optimism again, and uh, you can kind of feel feel that beginning to grow. That's that is one of the beautiful things about being a football fan, isn't it? That every, as you say, every year, every the start of every season, the optimism, the hope, the the reasoning that this season will be the one. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we've got all that to look forward to in the coming days and weeks. Should just mention point of order before we get into the uh, the nuts and bolts of this week's pod. Stewie Watson obviously uh, was off last week. Um, and today, he's meant to be back, but today it turned out he'd forgotten he had to drive back from Cornwall uh, and therefore couldn't work today. So uh, Stewie will hopefully be back in place at West Ham tomorrow. That'll be the first time he's watched football since March the 7th. So I'm sure he's looking forward to that. And he should be on the, the podcast that we do later on in the, in the week. He's very um, excited. He, is uh, he? He's currently, I spoke, I, I spoke to him about 10 minutes ago. He's currently at Gloucester Services, which... For you uh, motorway warriors out there, you will know that Gloucester Services is a is a true delight. It's kind of an eco an eco services, very green, lots of homemade food, plant based food, uh, nice green space outside. There's grass on the roof of the service station. That's yeah. where he that's where he is right now. He's a he's a happy man. I love the fact that you and him just call each other up. Like he's driving back from Cornwall, you've given him a call to see how he is. Just check in, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, then. let's get into the meat of the podcast, then, shall we, Hutchie? And we've alluded to the fact there's lots to talk about. Something we're talking about a lot at the moment is uh, is young Mr. Norwood, Lord Norwood, another um, entrance into the uh, the ongoing Norwood saga, entry into the Norwood saga this weekend from our old friend Mr. Nixon, he of the uh, the tenuous and, and often spurious um, transfer rumour. Um, but he linked Mr Norwood with Swindon yesterday, Hutchie, and as a result, Norwood was trending in the UK on Twitter, which is not obviously not the first time with all the uh, the rock business from last season. But um, James Norwood obviously didn't play again. He was at Spurs, um, posting some impressive videos of the stadium at, at Spurs, which we'll come on to in a minute. But what, what's the latest with Norwood, Hutchie? What can we say about Mr Norwood now? Uh, we'll start with his fitness first. Yeah, he wasn't playing at Spurs, but I believe he's training. He should be training with the team today. That'll be the first time he's done sort of proper proper work with the team today. And I, I think he's hopeful at least of a few minutes against West Ham tomorrow. He's a big West Ham fan, so he will uh, he'll be keen be keen to play in that one. So that's that's that side of things. We talked about his fitness a lot and why he's not playing at the moment, but hopefully. Hopefully that that period of, of stuff is coming to an end with him, and we might even see him on a football pitch, which will be 
which would be good. Um, in terms of Swindon, um, yeah, that there, there's there's been a conversation there about a um, about a loan. Take Swindon taking him on loan. They're looking for a new striker. They've lost all of their goals from last season with Owen Doyle going to Bradford. And they've also lost Jerry Yates, who who scored 13 goals. He was on loan from Rotherham, but he's left Rotherham now for Blackpool. So they've lost a lot of goals. Um, Norwood, perfect, perfect for them. But Ipswich don't want to loan him out. It makes it makes little sense really for for Ipswich to be loaning him out um, to a team in their division as well. So um, that's where that one that's where that one stops for now. But yes, there was a the question was asked. It's a strange situation. I mean, obviously, in terms of having one of your star players linked with, with transfer talk this close to a season is, is not ideal. But, I mean, where where are we with it all, Hutchie? Is, is, is there anything in it? Because obviously there's a lot of talk on, on social media. I'll just read some of it out in a minute um, about Norwood and, and potential people are kind of adding two and two together and making five and, and thinking there must be issues with him. But obviously, you're, you're the guy peek behind the scenes time what's the what's, what is the genuine situation with James well in terms of in terms of his transfer situation or in terms of kind of the, the whole rela- thing. relationships because it's odd to have as I said yeah to have this close to the new season with your star striker being linked with with moves to Dundee and Swindon and Fleetwood I mean obviously linkage of players is is, is relatively normal but this close to the season with it being so frequent mm. um and then obviously you've got James on social media putting pictures of being on holiday and, and that kind of thing. Um, let me just read some of these out and then maybe maybe you can come back in. So Amber Redmond just says uh, regarding Norwood, what fresh hell is this? Jason says, hoping for a season concentrated on Norwood's on-field contribution rather than his social media content. It's becoming a bit lame as it's all part of the package. It's fun. Town knew what they were getting. Let's focus on those playing. Those who ain't, ain't news. Old friend, the pin says if Norwood is sold, that's all town fans need to know about the club's ambition and the owner. Why doesn't Andy ask Norwood directly whether any of these exit rumours are true? Personally, I think it's all bullshit, but does it really take six plus months to recover from a groin issue? Um, Dave Gort says Norwood's situation not helped by COVID. Rehab interfered with and not being able to see the groin specialist. Training limited to basic fitness. Lack of actual football type movements that he needs to gain strength in the groin area. And he adds... Also, I do see a common comment saying they've had enough of his social media stuff and his off-field antics. The poor lad hasn't been able to get on the pitch for six months. So this is all we've seen of him. Once he's back on the pitch, I'm sure his socials won't be as busy. So, And then Brad also adds, Norwood out, Tyler Walker in. Get around the wage cap with a hefty loan fee, win promotion. Um, I mean, obviously, a lot of people are saying whatever happens with Norwood, if, if he does go, the chance of being able to replace him Um are very very slim at such short notice in the salary cap and just one more James McCallum's I'm scrolling through he says is Norwood still happy to be here all these links to different clubs makes me think this agent is trying to get him out I wouldn't want to lose him unless we can get a decent replacement but how likely is that so Hutchie Norwood what can we say there's some, there's some I think there's some really good points in there from from those comments particularly the, the social media one is interesting mm. I he hasn't played since February. That is all we've seen of him is the social media. And his social media does get picked up on. And sometimes it's funny. Some Sometimes you might think it's not. For, for me, I find it quite amusing, actually. Mm. Um, but when that's all you're seeing of somebody, that does that can give the impression that all they're doing is just larking about on social media. But that, that really isn't the case with James. He's been He's been rehabbing. He's been seeing nutritionists. He's been working with physios um, in his own time, as well as ones at the club. He's been working really hard to get to get back. So I, th- I think the social media thing's a bit of a, a red herring, really, mm. um, especially given that it's all we're seeing of him. If he was playing football and scoring goals, like we saw back in, in August, um, yeah. it's, it's no, sorry, last August, um, it's, no, it's no problem, is it? It's just when someone's injured and... And that's all you get to see of him. It's it's just a bit a bit strange. Um, in terms of him, I don't think there's any great desire for him to be pushing to leave. If I'm if I'm completely honest, from what from what I gather, I don't think he's 
I don't think he's desperate to get out. Um, far from it. I think he, I think he would would love to be scoring goals at the top end of League One with Ipswich Town. So I, I don't think I don't think that's where it's I don't think that's where it's coming from. Um, mm. But it is it is all a very strange very strange scenario, isn't it? Because you, you talked about him there as being a star player. Mm. Um, does Paul do they see him like that way anymore? Um, obviously, last summer he was brought in as a kind of the centerpiece of their summer business. He was he was the main striker, but injury meant and 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 a loss of form from him himself, which obviously the injury would have played a part in. But that meant he wasn't that main man. He wasn't that main marksman. Caden Jackson's form as well played into that. He wasn't the the central man that we thought he was going to be, but. As, I, as I've said many, many times on here, I, I firmly believe that he can be a 20-goal-a-season striker for Ipswich if he's fit, playing in a consistent right system with good service, hmm. which, without getting carried away, we're seeing the beginnings of that this summer in pre-season. I still, I still firmly believe he can be that player hmm. for Ipswich, um, which, which makes this whole situation... That little bit more puzzling. I asked Paul Lambert about it after the game at Tottenham on Saturday, and his response was, "Yeah." I asked him, "Is, is James still still central to your plans?" And it was not 100% convincing, but he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." But he has to work hard and show me that he can be that that player and get back to the the player that was scoring all those goals for Tranmere. So mm. it's a bit of a challenge there from Lambert to him. Um, but I think I think it's probably fair to say that he's no longer the kind of the centerpiece that he may have been a year ago, and he's got some work to do there to to make himself that player again. But if he can do it, I still I still firmly believe he could be he could be central to what Ipswich try and do. And like you said, it's it's difficult if you get rid of him. That this is this is the main thing why I don't think any of this makes sense. Like moving yeah. him on. Moving, I don't really see how, unless you can pull off some kind of elaborate swap deal with somebody, or we still don't know if the regulations actually allow for this, an extravagant loan fee and pay zero wages for mm. for somebody, uh, whether clubs are going to go for that, I don't know. But unless you can do that, I struggle to see how, I struggle to see how you're going to replace him in kind of a like for like manner. So it is all, it's all very strange. But um, in terms of, in terms of Swindon, I don't think that's going to go any further. What about I've seen a lot on social media, not necessarily um, including us in terms of response to the podcast appeal, but a lot on social media with fans kind of chatting back and forth, saying that there's clearly some kind of problem with Norwood um, and and his place in the squad. Is, you know, he's not popular. He's he hasn't got any mates. He's fallen out with people. This, that, and the other. But uh, I mean, from your understanding, that there is no there's no issue there with with he's kind of fitting in in, in the team, is there? No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I think. I think there are clearly there are going to be some people that that have a higher regard for the kind of social media fun that he enjoys than others. Yeah. There, there are some people that are going to find that funny. There are others that are going to find that less funny, and and that goes that extends into the coaching staff as well. I think we've spoken about on here before about that the coaching staff was split on the, the kind of the wrestling stuff last summer and the gifts of smashing beer cans together to celebrate goals. Yeah, but but in terms of his his kind of place in the squad, and he's he's not he's not this outcast that people are kind of making him out to be. Like he, I'm, I'm led to believe he was he was sat at the Colchester game um, the other night, sat next to David Cornell for um, for the entirety, <laughs> not next to, with a meter in between or two, just <laughs> yeah. to be clear. Yeah. Um, and and had him in stitches for for much of the evening I saw I saw James um I saw James in Sainsbury's at White Hart Lane at uh, um walking across the Sainsbury's car park with at White Hart Lane on Saturday with Emmy Hughes James Wilson and Ollie Hawkins and yeah you know he he he's played golf with Gwion Edwards and Freddie Sears he was at if you look at his social media he was at kind of a team gathering at Luke Chambers house last night who at Turns out Luke Chambers has got his own kind of like pizza cafe in his house. Of course he has. <laughs> he's got this uh, this neon sign on the wall. I think it said Luke's Pizza Bar or something. Ah, uh, of course, yeah. With, with a with a pizza oven. So he's not this. You know, I'm sure there are people that that have more time for him than others, like in any workplace. Mm. 
but he's not this social outcast that that people are sort of painting him to be um i you see all sorts don't you like people i think there was someone someone posted about him the other day saying that he's got a massive gambling problem that's not true <laughs> it's just it's is just it's gone it's gone a bit into overdrive i think and i think a lot of that's down to the lack of football and the lack yeah. of him of him playing football um but like i say though clearly 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 there are going to be people that have less of an opinion of have a lesser opinion of the social media kind of stuff than than others but in terms of i don't think he's this kind of outcast he, he went if he was if he was that unwelcome he wouldn't have been taken to the tottenham game at the weekend when it was clear he wasn't gonna gonna play in it yeah. um it's it it all just feeds into why why this is such a peculiar peculiar situation um to be honest and mm. i just i just don't i don't we've talked about this a lot as well i do not i don't see the financial benefit of him moving moving for for ipswich particularly on loan um clearly and I, I, clearly they're not going to allow him to to join a, a league one rival promotion rival um swindon probably aren't that but then if you look at swindon they were loaned Owen Doyle last season by Bradford, mm. uh, a fellow League Two club. And Doyle scored 28 goals for Swindon, won the Golden Boot and won them the league title while Bradford missed the playoffs. So that just shows how you how silly you can look if you if you move somebody like that on to a rival. Um, mm. Yeah, all very puzzling. This I'm, I'm sure there's plenty more left to, to run in this. It's something I'm trying to find an awful lot more out about and beginning to get a, a picture of it um hopefully we can bring that sort of to people fully soon mm. the main thing is of course it gets on with luke chambers because you don't want to be on the wrong side of luke chambers at switch town so as long as he's getting in, invited to his pizza palace fantastic um a couple more thoughts before we move on from norwood dan cox says Personally, I can't see how Ipswich would benefit by letting Norwood move on. I'm just wondering where that would leave Ipswich in terms of signing replacement with the salary cap in place. I recall it being 9k a week just three, just two weeks ago, and we've signed three players since then. And Mike King says there was a reported loan inquiry about Jordan Rhodes. Is it possible this was to see if we'd get him if Norwood was loaned or sold? How does the salary cap work in relation to loans? Obviously, you alluded to there, Hutchie, that potentially that might be a way around the old salary cap, an extravagant loan fee. Um, so, yeah, I mean, certainly getting a replacement for Norwood would, would be um, tricky at this late stage. Shades of the Daryl Murphy departing, um, of course. But uh, And the Jordan Rose thing, have we ever talked about that on here? That's not going to happen, is it? Um, I'd find it. I'd find it hard to believe. Mm. You know, the only way that's going to happen is like, like, like you were saying there is with the extravagant kind of loan loan fee and then pay absolute minimal wages but he he's on i believe around possibly even upwards of forty thousand pounds a week at at sheffield wednesday so that's going to require a very significant uh very significant loan fee given yeah that 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 wage he, i think he's in the final year of his contract potentially but that wage equates to like two million pounds a year so in terms of a loan fee that's going to be a very fat wallet that needs to be handed over as a one-off loan fee and then for that to cover sort of to cover enough of the wage for Sheffield Wednesday for that to make sense for Sheffield Wednesday to do that and even then is there somebody maybe a little higher up the food chain that might might pip it switch to Jordan Rhodes Uh, seem it seems a little far-fetched to me but um you never you never know two million two million pounds a year Hutchie. so you can have you can have one jordan road so you can have 22 senior professionals essentially Um, yeah that's the choice in the salary cap yeah Yeah. (laughs) right let's move on Let's move on from Norwood. I'm sure we'll be talking about him many more times before the uh, the season kicks off on here. But let's go on to Spurs, Hutchie. Very exciting. Your first football game you've actually attended in person to cover 
since March, and it was only one of the best bloody stadiums in the world. Um, so before we go on to the game itself, I want to know all about your day, your experience of covering a game at the stadium, at Spurs Stadium, and also in these unprecedented times. What what was it like? I saw you did a video wearing a, wearing a mask, of course, as you had to do in the stadium. What, what are the kind of checks and, and balances did you have to go through? Did you have your temperature taken? How did it all work? <clears throat> so so normally normally we would we would get into a football ground probably any time probably one o'clock we'd normally be be getting into a football ground but, but but because they're looking to eliminate um limit the amount of time people are spending in the ground at the moment and the amount of people that are mixing in there we weren't allowed in until two which meant as a um, there was a big old queue of um socially distanced journalists and photographers outside outside uh, the ground uh, so joined that um then you're queuing up having your temperature checked you've had to fill in kind of a health questionnaire um and sign a waiver um before then to have to have sort of secure your place that's a pretty hefty document as well mm. um to get through that so yeah get through the temperature check which i had to have my temperature taken twice because i i was too cold the first time really yeah too cold, but, too cold? yeah is that a concern? They thought you were. Um, no, it, it probably is probably more like they've. It probably means that the reading wasn't taken properly. But I took okay. it to mean that I, I took it to mean that I was just too cool. Yeah. Um. But then yeah, then you get through all masked up. Um. All one one way system in there, so really didn't didn't get that much of a look around the the kind of the in the inner sanctum of of the um of the new stadium. But so it's kind of following it everything's zoned there's a red zone which is where like the player players are and anybody yeah. that's kind of in testing protocol it's almost almost a bit like a bubble zone where you're not allowed to go yeah unless you unless you've unless you've tested negative for the virus then there's a an amber zone where you're allowed which is where i was allowed to go you're allowed in the amber zone which is sort of anyone that's passed the temperature check and has declared that their their health's okay so I was in the amber zone. You follow a little pathway through with stickers on the floor, straight up to the straight up to the press box where you've got an allocated seat um, where you basically sit down and don't move from. And that's uh, and that was that really. A bit of different was for photographers a, as well. Photographers like photographers like to moan a bit and um, they love yeah. to whinge and they are required to very, very much sit still in the place where they're told to sit and photographers don't take too kindly to that so um i think don't they we say that um a group noun for a group of photographers is a whinge or yeah. a moan a moan yeah. of photographers never happy never ever happy always always complaining about something photographers generally uh, in my 20 yeah. years in this business i've never known a photographer not to moan constantly um Actually, is it was it a Spurs issue face mask or did you have to take your own? No, I took my own. Um, I think Ipswich are issuing them on uh, tomorrow for the top for the West Ham game, mm-hmm. giving you giving you a face mask and a bottle of water in a sealed bag. But um, I think I will. I think I'll probably wear my own to be honest. Okay, uh, and then talk a little bit about the stadium, mate, because I saw um, obviously that the town players putting videos on on um, social media. It looks an incredible place to do yeah reporting yeah it's a proper kind of cathedral of football it's like you're quite low down in the press box so you can feel like how big it is on top of you it's huge um honestly i just kept looking around it thinking just how many thousands of Ipswich fans would have loved to have have been there so it's panged with panged with guilt Mm. sat there but i I won't lie to you i I thoroughly enjoyed watching a, a live game of football with my own eyes again um yeah. which was great but there should have been thousands and thousands of, of Ipswich fans in there and I can only begin to imagine what that place is like when it's full for a big big Champions League night or something yeah. because even even in this empty ground they still made it quite of quite an atmospheric experience in in terms of the music that they played music had all the big hype they still played like the hype videos yeah. On these massive screens, which were huge. There's four of them in there, I think, and they're absolutely massive. Um, 
but yeah, it was a, it's a, seems like a very special, very special place to watch football. I just hope one day we can all go there when it's mm. full and, uh, and enjoy that side of things. Cause that's, um, that's what it's really all about. Yeah. Let's talk about the game now then, shall we? Um, actually, obviously the, the business end of things. No one seriously thought that town would go there and turn Spurs over one of the best teams in the country and indeed in Europe. Um, and obviously, 3-0 defeat. But from, from I didn't actually watch this game. I was um, busy doing other stuff. But from what I've seen, um, it was an uplifting 3-0 defeat. Is that fair to say? What, how, what's your initial kind of reaction to it? Yeah, I think if you, if you're, if you wanted to look for the positive, if you, from an Ipswich perspective, I, I'm not sure that there were many. There were obviously a fair few kind of national journalists there and, and guys that would regularly cover Spurs. Yeah. Um, I don't think they would necessarily have looked at Ipswich and kind of pulled out the the positives that we did. Um, yeah. I think a fair few of them described it as a non-event, which from a neutral point of view, it, it was really that it, in many ways, Ipswich didn't really lay a glove on, on them, um, mm. on, on Tottenham. Um, Tottenham used three goalkeepers across the 90 minutes, Hugo Lloris, Joe Hart and Apali Gazaniga as well. And none of them really had to do had to do an awful lot. Uh, I think your boy Drynan had a header over the top. Freddie Sears had a shot over the top. Caden Jackson had a good shot blocked. That was about it. But considering the opposition and the strength of it, which, you know, Lloris was playing, Alderweireld was playing, Sessegnon, Harry Winks, Hoiberg, their new signing, Deli Ali, Lucas Moura, Son. Mm. Um, considering the strength of that, we're looking at Ipswich trying to see this style of play and a system and and an identity emerge. And yeah. that was the positive is that you could see that they were never gonna they were never gonna beat this team really. No. Um, so yeah, to see to see that identity kind of take another step forward and the intent it was just the intent being there that was the pleasing. The pleasing thing, really, and some decent, some decent enough moments from some individuals as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uplift was it uplifting the word that you used? Yeah, yeah, I felt up, I felt uplist, uplifted. Um, but I'm not sure any neutrals would have watched that and thought ah, <laughs> Ipswich gave it. Ipswich gave a good account of themselves there because because yeah. it was pretty pretty much a, a non-event in that in that extent. But credit where credit's due to Ipswich, they 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 used it for them. They used this game for them and um, weren't overawed. They certainly weren't overawed by it and they didn't, they didn't crumble. Mm. Um, But what you did see is just how mistakes get punished by the best players in the world. And that's what, that's what beat them in the end. Yeah. Well, uh, on the last podcast on Friday, actually you you said that from this game, we could start to properly learn some things and, and kind of take some conclusions from from um, the formation and the team and all that sort of stuff. Now, obviously, Drynan started, so I assume that means we can conclude he's going to be starting up top on, on opening day. Um, but what, what, what did you come away feeling like you learned from Spurs then? Well, I asked Paul Lambert about that after the game um, during an interview in which I wore a mask and he didn't, which is a bit odd. Yeah. Um, but uh, fair play. Um he said not to read anything into team selection and that kind of thing until until after the West Ham game tomorrow, which, okay. again, looking at these two, Ipswich played two 11s in each half, and it, and it was mix and match again. You can you could look at each one of them, those 11s, and pick out players that you think should be nailed on starters, really. Like you look at the first half 11, which... I'll quickly run through. It was Cornell, Vincent Young, Inciala, Wolfenden, Ward, Skews, Bishop, Judge, Edwards, Dobra, Drynan. So in there, you've got Vincent Young, Wolfenden and Ward, three players that you would naturally assume nailed on starters. Second half was Holy, Dynastian, Chambers, and Darby, Kenlock, McGavin, Downs, Dazelle, Lancaster, Sears, Jackson. Mm. Again, you've got players like Flynn Downs in there, um, who is a nailed on, nailed on starter. So in terms of that, not not an awful lot to read into the selection side of things or the, or the partnerships. Interesting that the, the two central defensive partnerships remain the same between the two games. So in Ciara and Wolfenden played at Colchester and Spurs. Same with Chambers and in Darba. Mm. Don't know how much you read into that. Um, but 
it you know it's there it's there to discuss but the big thing was just seeing the system working again 4-3-3 they stuck to it they tried to move the ball quickly um which they did at times get it wide attack from the flanks support the striker again they did that at times so that's probably probably the big the big takeaway rather than there were some good individual performances but none I don't think anybody's convinced me that they're a nailed on starter yeah. that, that wasn't already, if that makes sense. Although I do have, you know, I've got, like everybody, got my thoughts on who I think those starters should be. Yeah, well, we'll come on to that in a minute because we, we had someone asking about that. But obviously, first look as well at the new keeper, Tachi, Cornell. Uh, and he, he won't be happy with uh, with certainly one aspect of his performance. Um, what, what, do, what did you make of him? Um yeah, if you on the on the face of it, each keeper got 45 minutes each. Cornell conceded three, of which one was directly attributable to him. Holy mm. Holy kept a clean sheet and made a couple of decent saves. But um, I hope people don't read too much into Cornell's first 45 minutes in an Ipswich shirt. Have you seen the goal? I haven't seen the goals. No. Okay. Okay. So we'll talk through the goals then. The first one, sadly. Sadly, came from an Aaron Drynan mistake, I'm afraid to tell you. Um, <laughs> do, doing the right thing, really, dropping into midfield, trying to lay the ball off. Paul Lambert said it should have been a, a two-touch move. Yeah. Lambert, uh, Drynan tried to do it in one, gave the ball away. Ball work, gets worked wide to, to Ryan Sessegnon, who is in behind Kane Vincent Young, who can't, can't get back because he's up the pitch looking to attack. Sessegnon comes inside, dances away from... Uh, Toto, I think it was, and, and shoots through Toto and kind of leaves Cornell stranded a little bit. Um, nothing really on Cornell for that one. The second one, the second one, it, playing out from the back is very definitely something they're trying to do. You could see, particularly with Cornell, that the centre-backs, Toto and, and Wolfenden, were splitting wide. Cornell, a couple of moments, a bit shaky, getting the ball out to them. Some other moments where, where he played the ball around quite nicely at the back. But the, the second goal was, I think it was Vincent Young played a square ball across the box, which didn't quite have enough on it to get to Luke Wolfenden. Wolfenden did manage to get there, but he didn't have a, then have enough time to play the pass that he would want to play necessarily back to Cornell. Uh, goalkeeper under a bit of pressure. Cornell's then tried to play the ball short through the middle to to Skews, who, again, Skews maybe not as lively as he'd want to be, but it's, it's a poor pass from Cornell straight to Hoiberg, who... Uh, Knocked it to Deli Alley, who then laid it back for, for Son to finish past Enciana and Wolfenden on the line, who they probably should have done better to keep that out as well. So yeah, not great from Cornell. He won't he won't um he won't look back on that too fondly. Um couldn't do anything about the third one. Beautiful little chipped dinked finish from from Son. But he had some decent moments as well. He's vocal, very loud, um, hmm. very loud, getting on at his defenders and uh, where they should be and and things like that. He made one decent save. I think it was Hoiberg with a with a header. He got down well to save that really well. And he 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 clung on to two two dangerous balls into the box as well. So he had some he had some good points, but clearly the thing everyone's going to look at is that the pass the pass hmm. out that gave away the goal. But it's 45 minutes of a preseason friendly in which he's heavily being encouraged to play those passes by Paul yeah. Lamb- by Lambert. So I think. Let's cut him a bit of slack here. Let's uh, let's not write him off before he's even got started. Absolutely, and, and the interesting thing in your in your excellent, if I may say, Hutchie, um Sunday morning snap that you do, um, you mentioned there Lambert and the word pass, as I would say, or pass, as you say around here. There's no R in it, so I don't know why you'd say pass, but um, uh, that was apparently the word that that Lambert was uttering most, and obviously you could hear that given there was no one else in the stadium. Pass, yeah. pass, pass. Very loud. Pass, pass, pass. Every time one of his players got the particularly early on. Yeah. Um, pass, pass, pass. That's what he wants them to do. So, yeah. um, and that's what they tried to do. That's what they tried to do. They just didn't weren't able to do enough of it in sort of key areas. There, there were some in the first half. They had some decent, decent run. Dobra and Dobra was busy. Had some good, some good runs. One, one decent cross into the box. Edwards had a couple of moments where he came in on his right foot and and look to make something happen. Teddy Bishop had some decent runs into the attempts to run into the box as well. He would have absolutely loved this, by the way. I spoke to him afterwards and he 
he he's a massive Spurs fan, so mm. um, he's just gutted that his entire family weren't able to come and watch. But yeah, there was some there was there were enough there were enough positives. Let me the, um, let me read out some thoughts from the KA Army, and you can you can reply as you see fit. Sam James says, "I was very impressed with Indaba, but where was Hughes?" Uh, yeah, I'm very impressed with him. You know, I've 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 spoken about Ndaba a lot. He's someone I really like. I think he's got, as I say every time about him, I think he's got all the tools. Um, yeah. He's he's quick. He's he's powerful. He's good on the ball, and that's what particularly stood out in this one. Um, for some context, though, to be fair, he played this in the second half team, which we'll, we'll talk maybe talk about a bit more about the second half in a minute. He played in that second half side once a lot of the changes began to be made, like Son came off at the break. I think Deli Ali and Lucas Mora played another 20 minutes and then went off, um, yeah. at, at which point some teenagers came on, uh, including a 15-year-old, I think. So worth noting who he was playing against rather than the, the first-half team. But that's not to say he didn't he didn't impress. He's very comfortable on the ball, um, mm. and that was, that was good. Um, Emmy Hughes was there. Um, I think it's just a little knock with him. There's a chance he could play, could play tomorrow. Um, he seemed he seemed in good spirits. John Watson, leader of the uh, the Carey Army North Battalion up there in Sunderland, he says, "Is there any more word on who the centre back was who he missed out on last week? With Indaba doing well and Toto not pulling a hamstring or being sent off, do the esteemed panel think we'll still be chasing a new addition, or has Indaba done enough for a squad number? Uh, any thoughts on that, Hutchie? Do you think they're still um, after a senior centre back?" I think left-footed balance is massive. Um, yeah. I don't know who it was that they missed out on, by the way. I just know that they missed out on on somebody. Um, right. And Darba's got that left foot. I've, yeah, I'd, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be rushing. To, it would have to be the right addition to bring somebody else in, um, mm. because. You've also got you've got James Wilson to come back into this mix. It'll be interesting to see how he's handled because I gather James Wilson's fit possibly to play in this game tomorrow against West Ham. He's had a, a little, I think it's a calf problem. It's definitely in his kind of lower lower uh, lower leg, a bit of a knock there. But I gather he's fit to play, which means that's if you're then talking about Nciala, Wolfenden, Chambers, and Darba and Wilson, that's five. Mm. five centre-backs and even playing two teams for 45 minutes you're not going to get you're not going to get enough in there so that'll be interesting to see um to see who he takes minutes from Mm. in this one I think that'll tell you a lot um a few more thoughts from from uh the KO army about the game Chris Bennett as we just discussed says funny how Indaba has done nothing for the last few years when he should have been staking a claim for that centre-back position, then has one and a half good games and should be an automatic starter. Yet Cornell should never play for us again after a dodgy 45 minutes against world-class players. Fair point. Kevin Larson, do you think the naming of Ward as captain over Scoose is some sort of sign that maybe we might not see that much of Chambers and Scoose during the season and Ward will captain the team regularly? What do you reckon, Archie? I don't know if it says an. I don't know if it says anything about whether about Chambers and Scoose playing games but I think what it definitely does say is about how valued Stephen Ward is and how um it well it tells me he's a nailed on nailed on left back starter and it tells me that they really value the experience and the new voice Mm. that that he's brought in there um I always get I always get the impression that that Cole in particular is a a bit of a reluctant captain when he has that armband on he's not He's a lead by example kind of guy, not mm. a not a uh, not kind of a vocal. He's he's vocal, but not the kind of not to the same level as you'd think a captain would be mm. generally. So I'm I'm not sure there's t- too much to read into Ward taking that armband over Skews. However, I would be interested to see what happens when Chambers and Ward are in the same on the pitch at the same time which they haven't mm. been as of yet mm. interesting and just finally tony page says i look at the spine of the team and still feel that soft underbelly prevails especially center midfield where we lack a sean derry type who can drive the talent around them on as roy king would say someone with big forearms 
Any thoughts on that, Hutchie? Is that a fair a fair assessment? Um, I guess that's kind of aimed at Skews, isn't it? Who's never going to be that? Mm. Who plays that that deeper kind of almost like an enforcer role, but without the physical the physical side of it. I quite like the look of Flynn Downs playing in that in that deeper role. Um, mm. To be honest. Um, I think if you now add, if you now added another kind of, if you added a, a brute of a midfielder in there, which you know, I'm I'm not against the idea of that. Mm. You've you've then got one mid, and then and then if you start Downs as well, who's a nailed on starter, you've then got one space in that team to include Skews, Judge, Nolan, Bishop, Hughes, Dazelle in for in one sort of team place which is a real a real problem so i wouldn't be sub- i i don't know how they're going to do it or who but it wouldn't shock me if there was a midfield a midfield exit hmm. if if they could I'd, yeah i don't know how they can do it sam chapman just on that very theme says do you see el mazuni playing a bigger part this season and if so, where does that leave Bishop and Judge as we can't play all three? Idris is a funny one in this preseason, in that in that he is he is still on the way back from from his knee injury that he obviously suffered at Cambridge, I think late February time. So he's kind of probably on course for that. He's playing a few minutes here and there, but he didn't play didn't play at all at, at Tottenham at the weekend. But you're you're right there in that. It's there's heavy, heavy congestion. I think he will play, but I think mm. it might take a little bit of time for him. And it wouldn't completely shock me. Wouldn't completely shock me if he ended up um if he ended up on loan again. Mm. Okay. Um any more thoughts on the game, Hutchie, before we move on? That the the rest of the questions really are about one thing, which we could we can talk about after we move on from the game, which is basically um exit and who's likely to go because obviously Lambert said after the game that we need a manageable squad suggesting there's going to be there's going to be outs rather than ins so have you got any more notes from the game before we move on to that question um a few little things I I I thought second half I thought Freddie Sears looked decent Jack Lancaster had some decent moments yeah Caden Jackson's pace was was decent um but yeah no a, a good experience for everyone that was involved in it um yeah that's um that's about it really okay what about outs then we've had as i say we've had quite a lot of questions and thoughts we're moving towards more kind of thoughts this season for the um the podcast rather than questions and we might do like a, a kind of mailbag special once a month depending on on how that goes but it's quite nice to be able to drop in thoughts that are relevant to, to what we're talking about rather than return to questions kind of later on so in terms of your interaction with us going forward if you can just let us know what you think about things maybe more than than ask questions but a lot of questions Hutchie um, around who's going to leave have you got any kind of any thoughts there I think there are positions I don't, in terms of individuals um, no but in terms of position there are, there are some sort of positions on the field where Something has to has to happen. I think there's there's five centre backs we've talked about there. If Corey and Darba's not going to play, mm. he he needs to play real football now. He's he had a couple of non-league loans last season that just didn't just didn't work for him. Hemel, I think it was Hemel, Hempstead and Chelmsford. They didn't work out for him. He's he needs to play. He needs somewhere to go and play 20, 20 games of professional football this season. Um, yeah. Toto is one that you instantly think could be headed for the exit mm. um but you know what to be fair to Toto he had he was playing Toto and Tiara against Son Hyung Min is is not a fair fight but <laughs> with the greatest of respect but yeah. he, he did okay he had a couple of moments where he had one moment where he complete I think it was Delhi Ali just completely clattered him and won the ball which I really enjoyed mm. it was a fair tackle um he had a couple of one really good headed clearance out from a, a corner or a cross into the box as well. So he did he did okay, but yeah, I could see a defender moving on. Central midfield's the interesting one for me because there's so many players in there. We'll like run through them: Skews, Bishop, Judge, even McGavin, Nolan, Downs, mm. Dazelle, Hughes. So many, so many players there that 
but you look at them and the ones that you you think are going to play clearly you're not going to try and move them on i'm not sure how how it ipswich are going to be able to move the players on that they want to move on if i'm completely honest um but there's real congestion in that midfield so it wouldn't surprise me at all if they were looking to get one out um and beyond that beyond that it is loans for the younger for the younger players really um mm. so yeah I, and then obviously we've talked about we talked about norwood and and things like that and jackson we talked about a lot about that on on these before so yeah it's those big areas of congestion i would be mm. i'd be looking at and possibly possibly as well if um depending on how he does and how what happens with anybody else if it gets to october mid october time and he's played okay in the efl trophy games do you then look at getting Drynan another alone somewhere so i don't know he's in the final year of his contract so i I think he's got this window here to earn himself another one. So it'll be mm. interesting to see how that goes. He's doing right so far, old friend. He's doing right so far. He's um, doing, he's doing, he's doing okay. I've, he's got, he's got an awful lot of work to do. I would say to be, to be close to being, certainly being a League One starter or even being sort of a League One regular in the squads. There's a, yeah. there's, a there's traffic for him to get through, and there's a lot more for him to prove. But he couldn't. Yeah, he's done okay. He's given he's given um, Lambert something to think about. Excellent. Uh, and just one final question from L. Balaam says: Any chance of a pre-season webinar? Yes, L. Balaam, if that is your real name. There is going to be a hashtag KOA Live Two done virtually on the eve of the season. We haven't decided on the date yet, but it will be in the week running up to the the big kickoff, the league kickoff, probably on an evening, so everyone can have a beer with us. Um, it'll be one of these things we have to register for the Zoom link if you want to actually interact with and talk to us. Um, and it will basically be a pre-season show where we, we hand out our, our most likely two awards, etc. Um, and it will also be, be streamed on Facebook. So really looking forward to that. Details will be with you shortly. We've can, decided we, on... can we not call it a webinar, though? No, it's KRA Live too, mate. Yeah. It's a live yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah we're, 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 not, we're not dull enough to do a webinar. I no. hope not anyway. Well, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, right then, Hutchie, that's Spurs. Drawing the line under, move on, uplifting 3-0 defeat at the uh, the best stadium in the world. Tomorrow, 2pm, amazing what time you can have kickoffs with no fans, Town are hosting West Ham. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. What are you looking forward to about that and, and particularly what are you looking for from that game in terms of what we can learn? Well, interestingly, West Ham are at the same time also playing Wickham. Ah. So... Um, for, I've, well, I've, I've asked West Ham what they're looking to do with their team and like what kind of side West Ham are likely to be playing, and they they wouldn't tell me. So uh, no. that would be who knows. Um, uh, likely that they're going to have split their squads there to get the minutes, yeah. get the minutes in because because um, yeah, you can't I'd, unless you're playing giving each player 45 minutes a squad with the size of West Ham, they're gonna they're going to struggle to get enough minutes in the legs of their players. So that's the first interesting thing, just to see quite how strong that West Ham side is and who goes to which game and where David Moyes is. Um, yeah. That kind of thing. Um, so that'll be interesting. Then, then I'm looking at, then I'm looking to see how the minutes are distributed really, because um, pretty much each player's now played 75 minutes at Colchester and then 45 at Tottenham. I, I would be surprised if, if Lambert went with two two separate sides for 45 minutes each again, but not but not shocked. Um because then after that we're led to believe there's a there's mm. one more one more preseason game to come next Saturday uh against a team who can't tell you who it is, but as I said on the last pod it's a relatively local EFL side who wear yellow. Um, that's not Norwich. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's on Saturday. You're then getting into the territory where you're wanting to give what is your first choice side proper games together. So I'll be mainly just interested to see where those minutes go to and and maybe start to look at some partnerships there. Hmm. Hmm. 
Uh, obviously, you and you and Siri there, so make sure you follow it with them. They'll be doing a live blog and, and all sorts of other stuff, giving you reaction after the game. So do follow it with them. Let's just return, Hutchie, to, to one of the questions we had in, which you um, kind of touched on as well. I'm just going to try and find who it was that asked it before I ask you the question. Uh, where are we? Ah, um, Christian Davis, from what you've seen from these preseason games so far, who's your starting eleven? for that first league game against Wigan. So you said earlier, Hutchie, you've got some thoughts about who you'd like to see start. Um, and we, we no doubt we're going to get asked this question in every podcast. But you've now seen three, three pre-season games. Who would be your, your starting eleven for that for that opening day at the moment? Probably the same, the same one as I, the same as I've said before, really. Um, which I, I probably, Probably, probably Thomas Holy for yeah. the moment. For the moment, I'm very much split on that. I want to see more of the goalkeepers, though. That's I think mm-hmm. that I think they will each get 45 minutes in games, probably even up to next weekend in the Cambridge game to try and win a place there. The back four, I'm pretty set on Vincent Young, Chambers, Wolfenden, and Ward. If I'm honest, um, yeah. for now, um, midfield, Downs and Bishop, very definitely. A two that that I would start with, mm-hmm. uh, probably Cole Skews as the other one, um, simply because none of the others have have put their hand up enough to to take his place. Although I wouldn't I wouldn't be I wouldn't be devastated with Flynn, Flynn Downs dropping back into the deeper role if you could fit in somebody like like Alan Judge. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe there's a spot there that is undecided on um, Jack Lancaster on the right wing if he's fit enough and ready to go, which the indications are he might be. Um, Freddie Sears, Freddie Sears on the left, and I'd still be playing James Norwood down the middle, but obviously he's got a bit of catch-up to do in terms of in terms of fitness. We haven't seen Ollie Hawkins yet. Um, whether he plays against West Ham, I don't know. There's a chance he might be held back for the, the final preseason game as well, but I'd still, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'd still, I'd still not have Norwood as that, as that central striker for now. You don't have to apologise, old friend. Well, I have, well, have apologised. <laughs> I mean, listening to that team, that's a, that is a hell of a strong team, just on paper, isn't it, for, for League One? So, um, up even, the back, even the backup side to that, like the backup side would be what? Cornell, Danassian, Wilson, Nciala, and Darba. Yeah. One of them. Kenlock. Then you could potentially have a midfield of Nolan, Hughes, and Judge, Dobra, Jackson. Who do you play on the left wing? Guion uh, Edwards, he's not in In that case, yeah, Guion Edwards, yeah. Guion Edwards, Guion might even get a start ahead of Sears. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, the squad's really strong. I, I, no, I, I don't think the, the players didn't perform last season. We've, they didn't perform as well as they could have done. But, mm. and that. The rotation wasn't the issue for me. Like, it was a problem. It didn't help, but it was the it was the system and the style and and the lack of an identity that was the real issue. Mm. I I think the squad's strong enough to be to be competing. They need to sort out what on earth is going on with with Norwood and the striking situation and get that fixed and one way or another and get it get it firing. But the squad's the squad's strong enough to be competing. It really is. Um, in terms of additions, I'm not sure they need any more. Um, there are some positions they could upgrade on, but in terms of the way the financial model is and the salary cap and stuff, I don't know how they can do that. But the squad, the squad's strong. Um, mm. I, I'm just looking forward to seeing how this system and the identity that they're building can grow. Because if they can do that, they they should be in business. They should be. You'd, you'd fancy that just that second team there you've listed to um, to do all right in League One, wouldn't you? Well, you should, yeah, yeah, you should do. I, yeah, there there are some obvious downgrades in there. I think you've done in terms of the two teams you've you've downgraded on fullback there. Yeah. Obviously, you've obviously left out some some very good players in, in Wolfenden and Downs, but yeah, that, those players should be able to hold their own as, mm. a, as a League One side. So. Yeah, it's it's strong. It is strong. I can't 
you know, you can't get over that. It's, they should have done so much better than they did last season. But the players are, the players are good enough to be right up the top end there. I, yeah. I don't think I don't think we're naive enough now to to think about running away with league titles or anything like that, which which was maybe talked about last summer. But in terms of being firmly in that mix, there's absolutely no reason why they shouldn't be. That revs my engine, Hutchie. Just not reading off those two teams, those two those two elevens. Uh, very, very strong indeed. Up by Christmas, I reckon. Um, Harvey Davis, friend of the show, just has one question which I thought we could answer before we take our leave, Hutchie. He says, in a more traditional uh, mailbag style, you can list, you can only listen to one song, eat one type of food and want, watch one TV programme slash film for the rest of your lives. What are you going for? What was the first one? Listen to one song. Eat one type of food and watch one TV program or film. Uh, probably I'll start. I'll go in reverse order. Um, yeah. I'd just stick. I'd stick with Coronation Street. To be honest, mate, Big, <laughs> I'd go with that because um, it, it changes. You want a series, don't you? That's, that's constantly updating. Yeah. Yeah, it'll go on forever, and you're never going to run out of um, run out of content. Yeah. Um, very definitely stick to the Indian food market. Yeah for my meals one song um well i'll tell you what i've been listening to actually quite a lot yesterday was before the game at spurs they played this um remix of you know ready or not by the fugees excellent tune yeah yeah they played like this um like extra bassy version of that nice just before kickoff at at Spurs, uh, I believe it was in one of the Mission Impossible films. This version okay. of it, yeah. I've, li- I've listened to that a fair few times over the weekend. So uh, right now, I can't go any, I can't go any further than that. One of the finest intros in, in musical history, I think, the start to Ready or Not with Lauren Hill's voice. Good lord, she could sing. Mm. What, a, what a voice she has. Um, me, I'm going to go TV what program. What are you doing for these? What? I'll go. I'll go. TV program. I'm going to go. Gamora, which is the um, tremendous Italian crime drama. If you've not watched that, that's right up there with the best things ever on TV. And like you say, it's going to have more series, which is good. Eat one type of food: pizza all day, every day, because it's it's flexible. You can do many things with pizza. And then only listen to one song. Uh, I'm probably going to go uh, with my favourite song, which is um, "Heard It Through the Grapevine" by Marvin Gaye. I'll never get tired of that. Another fantastic intro, spine tingling intro. Um, I'm having that. So there you go, Hutchie. That brings us to the end of another podcast. And um, this one's been slightly longer than planned. I hope you, um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Much the same. Uh, Stewie will be back with us next time we do one of these, which will probably have to be on Friday, I reckon. Post hammers, post days off for people. Um, pre, uh, pre, um, pre yellow, pre yellow EFL team. Team, team, team Abbey United. Shall we call them? Um, no comment. <laughs> Anything else to mention, Hutchie, before we uh, get on with that day? <laughs> no other business. Excellent. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, I know these are coming fast and uh, frequently at you at the moment, but hopefully you're enjoying them. There's a lot going on and we want to keep you up to speed. Um, so, yeah, leave us a, a five-star review on iTunes if you can. Please, it helps us in visibility in the charts and follow us across all our social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Kings of Anglia. Um, have a great start to the week. Hopefully you enjoy the West Ham game if you can watch that tomorrow with the demands of work uh, and we'll be back later on this week to to talk about everything and look ahead to the next one uh, have a fantastic week speak to you next time from true crime to football brexit to postal more great podcasts from archon head to audioboom.com slash channel slash
information, head to audiobooms.com slash channel slash archive.